This podcast is a presentation of Nags Head Church, reaching people to discover life in Christ. Stay tuned and visit us on the internet at nagsheadchurch.org. And again, happy Father's Day uh, to everyone, especially to you dads, and um, we're glad that you're here. I, I went out to uh, my, my practices on Sunday morning. I get out early and go eat breakfast, and uh, it's amazing how many... Um, this morning, how you could see them come in, uh, the families with dads, and, uh, and they're, you know, let's take dad out to eat. Well, the cheapest meal is breakfast, so let's do that, you know. <laughs> we, take mom, we take mom out for dinner, you know. <laughs> we splurge on mom, but dad, you get two pancakes and, and a piece of bacon. And, uh, but a lot of people honoring dad this morning, and I hope that you have done the same. Uh, one of my children brought me a home-baked pie. It's sitting on my desk right now that I'm looking forward to. Uh, I probably need to, uh, Gail, probably need to stop on the way home and get some vanilla ice cream uh, to go with that pie. But I'm uh, looking forward to that. Um, uh, we're going to do something different this morning. You know, I, n- normally on a Father's Day, I might preach a message on Father's Day. I might not. I might ask one of our other pastors to do so. And, and you know, I can get up and I can give you the scriptures, the verses about being a godly dad and what that means and certainly, I, I believe that we are in a time in our culture, in our society, when more than ever, we need, need men of God to rise up and lead our families. Lord knows we need that. Because I think a big reason for what's happened to our society in general is that dads have either gone off and done their own thing, or they just don't know how to be a father. Um, so... Uh, we're going to do something a little bit different this morning because at Nags Head Church, we're committed to families. Uh, we, we truly are. It's why we have the children's ministries that, and youth ministry that we have here at Nags Head Church. And we believe that when God united Adam and Eve there in the Garden of Eden, he created family. Family is the very first institution of society that God created. Before church, before Israel, he created family. And, that, and I believe the reason for that is because family is foundational. Listen to this. Family's foundational to every other aspect of society and culture. It all starts with family. When family's disintegrated, when family's destroyed, when family is cheapened, when family is abandoned, it brings ruin and heartbreak to our culture. One of the roles that God gives to fathers in the family is the role of protector. Uh, guys, we protect um, our families, and we're to be examples, and we're to be models uh, of godly character for our children, and that's, that's a big responsibility, especially dads, if you we're not fortunate like some of us have been to have had a father that we can pattern our fatherhood after. Some of us had dads that we can model, and we can say, I, I kind of I do what my dad did, and that helps me along, but a lot of us don't have that in our lives. When you add to that responsibility of protecting and modeling character, and you add to that, however, the virtue of godliness, it compounds the strength of the father and of the home. Uh, A couple passages before we begin this morning with what we're going to do, the bulk of our time together. But I want to just bring out a couple familiar passages Uh, to you. One is Hebrews chapter 6, begins in verse 1. This was the first verse. Um, Nathan will tell you this is the first verse he ever memorized as a little child, and he was just a little toddler, and and he memorized 
this first verse. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Goes on speaking to children. He says, honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with a promise. Paul goes back to the Old Testament, to the Ten Commandments. He said, this commandment had a promise to it. If you honor your father and mother, it will all go well with you that you may have a long life in the land. And fathers, then he turns it to dads. He says, fathers, don't stir up anger in your children, but bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Paul repeats something very similar in in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 21. He simply says, fathers, do not exasperate your children so they won't become discouraged. Which means if we flip that over and say, what is the other side of that? Fathers, build your kids up. Fathers, encourage your children. This morning, uh, rather than me preaching a sermon, I've invited some dads from our congregation to bring our Father's Day message. And they're going to share with all of us this morning. I'm going to have a seat and just kind of throw some questions at them and uh, so get the discussion started. But they're going to share with us some of the things that they've learned and how they've applied them in their lives to fathering their children. So I'd like you four guys, if you'll come on up right now and, uh, and take a seat. Um, and then we'll, we'll let them introduce themselves in just a moment. Um, as they're coming, let me remind you of this, that there, there, is no, there are no perfect examples of fatherhood. Certainly not these guys. There there are no perfect examples of fatherhood, um, and we didn't try to find perfection. We just found some ordinary men uh, who've been fathers, some for a really, really, really long time, and, uh, and others not so long, but guys who have kind of been through been through the ropes, and, and, um, and, and, and I wanted to get them up to come up and share some things that they've learned in their lives. So I'm going to ask you guys, if you will, take a moment, and um, we'll start. Who's got the mic? Don, we'll start with you, and we're going to let you introduce yourself, and, and here's what I'd like you to tell us to start off. Um, tell us uh, how long you've been a father. If you need some help, say help, and, and if mom's here, she'll help I, you out. I but can't, how long, how I long can't been get a help because my wife isn't here today. Okay, how long... <laughs> How long you've been a father, and how many children you have, and their ages, if you can. I'm not going to ask you their birthdays, okay? I wouldn't do that to you. Don, go ahead. I was actually going to ask for help for their names, okay. not their ages. <clears throat> and and I, I, I'm up here under a misnomer because I thought the pastor said we needed perfect fathers, but that's okay. <laughs> the Lord blessed uh, Agnes and I with uh, six children, and... Uh, I do know their ages, but I don't know that I have to tell you that. <laughs> but you do want to know it, so I will. Well, tell just how how long have you been a father? What's no, the forty-five? No, I've got it down, brother. Okay, I, go ahead. I've got it down. <laughs> I, our our oldest is uh, forty-five years old, and then uh, I don't want to throw you, but uh, we have two children at forty-four years old. I have one at thirty-eight, and we have two at thirty-two, and I did not have twins. <laughs> Can you real quickly tell us how that happened? Yeah, yes. Uh, we, we actually had two families, if I could put it that way. We had our biological family, which was three children. And the Lord gave us a uh, desire to, to reach out to children. And we were actually doing foster care. And we got into foster care for, for years. And 
Then we decided we wanted to enlarge our family, so we went to adoption, okay? So we have three biological and three adopted. And when you would call home, Dad, to ask Mom what was for dinner because you had a bad day and you wanted to know what you're eating, I used to call home and ask my wife how many were going to be at the table. <laughs> my name is Jack, and this will need a little bit of explanation in that I've been married for 29 and almost a half years, and I've been a father for 29 and a half years because my wife had a four-year-old daughter when I got married. I was able to adopt her. We had another child in 91, so I have two girls, 33 and 23. I have suffered in a sea of estrogen forever. <laughs> well, well, listen, let me just say something. You got nothing. Wait till we get to Tom. Okay. I was blessed with a boy right in the middle of two girls. Jacob. Um, my name's Mike Mandis. Uh, my wife is Maria. She's sitting over there smiling at me. Uh, we have been married 22 years. We're in our 23rd year. Uh, we have three children. Sarah is 16. Jacob is 15. They are sitting over there. And Leah is sitting up front. She's 12. And so I'm right in the middle of the teenage years. Amen. So, Mike had a full head of hair till about three years ago. Yes. Now it's perfect like is. <laughs> My name is Tom, and um, I have four daughters. They are 20, 25, had to double check with my wife last night, 33, and 34. And um, you're right, I understand your pain. <laughs> um, at one point, we had, um, it was all f four girls and Sandra, and we had a female dog, and that was it. And me. All right, and Tom, you also have adoption in your family too. So yes, our youngest. Three, uh, three of our four uh, dads up here have adopted children too. So, all right, um, let's start off with the first question. And Tom, since you got the mic, I'll let you, uh, I'll, let, I'll let you start off with this one. Um, the Bible, the Bible has a lot of things to say about fathering. Um, why, what do you think the Bible has said, or what is it in the Bible that you could point to that, I mean, either a character, a story, a verse? that has helped shape you as a dad? Um, I was thinking about that this week as um, I was thinking about the questions. And uh, I was, for me, I, I was kind of thinking about the New Testament and the Old Testament. And of course, there's a lot of um, stories in the Old Testament that you, know, you can go back to. And um, there's not a, it seems like a whole lot of stories in the New Testament. There's a few, but most of the um, New Testament writings are about um, instructions on what dads are to be and, and who they are to be. And um, one of them was Ephesians 5, Ephesians 5, and I think Rick might have just read a little bit of that, uh, Ephesians 6. But I thought about um, Ephesians chapter 5, um, towards the end of that chapter, um, Paul is talking to um, husbands, and he's talking about the importance of um, Christ's character. And, he's, he, and he describes, you know, what Christ did for us and how he <clears throat> sacrificed for us and um, and all that. And then he goes on to talk to husbands. He says, in the same way, husbands are to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. <clears throat> for no one ever hated, hates his own flesh, but provides and cares for it, just as Christ does for the church, since we are members of the body. And uh, so I thought about that as a, as a husband. I think 
uh, one of the import, most important things we can do is first love Christ and show our kids that, but also um, show our kids how we love our wives um, because that's an important role model as we are showing loving our kids, but also how we love our wives. And I think that's um, one of the things that Christ um, talks about husbands that it's important for us to do because we're an example to our kids as we do that. All right. Somebody else want to grab that question about the Bible and how it shaped you as a dad? Yeah, I will. Okay, Mike. Uh, Tom, we picked the same verse there, so we're on track. But uh, I was also looking at uh, Ephesians uh, at the end of chapter 5, 525. Uh, or we're to love our wives um, like Christ loved the church. That's the, the direction from, from Paul there. And so for me, it's been, you know, putting their needs in front of mine. So I have to give up some of the things that I like to do. I like to surf. I like to fish. I can't do it as much as I used to, right, because I want to make the right decision to put their needs in front of mine. So, you know, if, um, if I get that phone call from a friend that says, hey, the waves are going off today, but we've got something scheduled with the family. I'm going to pick them first. And so for me to give up, you know, some of the things that, that I've been used to doing um, has really been, been a blessing to me and just putting them first. That's most important right. to me. Anybody else want to answer that one? We can move to another one. We were very intelligent. We all had Ephesians 5. Mm. I have to <laughs> All right. Um, you had to make some choices as you've been a dad through, through the years. Um, and the choices start, you know, very early on um, when, when you're a father. But you've had to make a lot of choices about your children's upbringing and the standards, uh, the values, the, the worldview that you uh, would establish in your home. Um, I, I think of, uh, of Joshua's statement, you know, uh, he says, choose today who you're going to serve. He said, but as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. Um, you've had to make some of those choices. Every father does, whether we do it intentionally, conscientiously or not, we're making those choices. Um, as you look back on, uh, on your, your years of being a father, what were some of those choices that you had to make? If you can bring out something maybe... Uh, particular, specific, and, and were those choices easy to make, or were sometimes those choices hard to make, and were those choices necessarily popular, right? Mike, you're in the, the teenage dad stuff right now, so maybe, uh, Jack, can you, would you like to? Just briefly. Yeah, please. Did you all get these questions beforehand? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know anything. Um, actually, the choice to raise our kids in a Christian home, that wasn't a, a question. I mean, that was a given to begin with. Susan and I met in church, so that, that was uh, already a, a standard for, for our lifestyle and for our kids. And actually, this is a, a minor thing, but part of what we do is we have to screen what they watch, what they see. Um, and we actually had a... Um, it was actually a rule about what they could and couldn't watch as far as movies. And one of our daughters went to a sleepover with a friend. And the friend said, we're going to watch this movie. And my daughter said, saw what the rating was and says, well, you know what? Your parents must not like you very much if they let you watch this movie. So that, that wasn't real popular. Uh, 
But when they played the movie, our daughter went and played in the other room until the movie was over and then came back with the group and, uh, and had a good time. So it hasn't been hard, actually. Yes, unpopular from times, and sometimes, again, with um, the daughters that I had, it could be a little testy, but, but it hasn't been a hard track, really. Um, because I was never home, and she took care of it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you know, Jack. Um, before you go, your your kids and my kids are, came up in the same era. They're the same ages, and back in those days, it was what came on television. And typically, in most homes, you know, 25 years ago, 20 years ago, we might have had one or two televisions in the home. Seems now there are a lot more TVs, but there's a whole lot more coming in through uh, computers through um, phones that they can get into and they can see. Uh, so I think the whole issue of setting up standards and knowing what your kids are watching, man, that's even multiplied on dads today, far more than it was when, when you and I were raising our kids. I wouldn't want to be a dad you know? today. <laughs> okay, yeah. Well, you are a dad. Well, yeah, Don, you're going to... A new dad. You want to address this? Yeah, yes, uh, to Agnes and I, it was very important that uh, our standards and our principles be be taught to the children even in school. So we actually chose homeschooling for a while, and Agnes is uh, the intelligent one, so it worked out good because they had a very intelligent teacher. And, and once the uh, homeschooling got done, we, we also then felt it was important that we continue that standard, and, and they went to Christian school. It was, once again, a decision that we felt was important for our family to keep our standards and our principles to the level that we felt. And, and yes, it was difficult because uh, I, I was blessed that we were able to afford it, of course, but there was more than one person told us as we were going through this experience, oh, you're just protecting your children. They'll never grow up and really be anything because they're always in a Christian environment and they won't know how to deal with the world. And, and that's not what we found. So it was difficult. But to us, it was important because the Lord, I, I feel, gave us the children to raise them in his likeness. And we tried to do it the best way we could. Okay, pass it down to Tom. Tom, I want you to kind of bounce off of what Don said because Don's kids um, uh, were homeschooled or schooled in Christian school. Um, your kids went to public schools pretty much right. the whole time. Um, how, we, how did you accomplish the same the installation of values in their lives and character without those um, advantages, those opportunities. Well, um, like Jack was talking about, we had standards too, and there was things that you know the kids knew they weren't to watch and, and they could watch, and things that you know we thought were good and, and bad. Um, and so that was you know always a struggle, uh, especially with girls. Well, I guess it would be boys too, but girls, you know, they want to go to the dance or they want to go to the movies with their friends, and their friends are seeing different things. And so that was a stand that we had to take, and. Um, uh, one of the things, uh, I was thinking about some of the stories, uh, one of the, the funny things was that we struggled with for a while was letting um, one of our daughters go to a school dance, you know, the school dance. And, of course, you hear all kinds of stories, and you're not going to believe what happens at the school dance, you know. <laughs> you know, the lights are all off and kids are off, and we're like, oh, what do we do, you know, what do we do? And we're just, we were torn, and finally we let um, um, the oldest, Jennifer, go to the school dance, and... Um, you know, we were just so, oh, man, nothing happened. I hope nothing happens, you know. And, and so I went to pick her up um, at, after the school dance, and uh, I drove up, and I was sitting outside, and she came out. And she goes, Dad, Dad, come in. She goes, I want you to dance with me one time. And I was like, 
Oh, so it was just one of those moments, you know, you, you feel like, wow, you know, that's, that's the one of the moments you've lived for as a dad, that um, your kids aren't embarrassed to be around you. <clears throat> okay. Um, one of the things, too, I, I thought about when you were, um, the other guys were talking, uh, one of the things that um, we do have to know is that at some point, though, you've got to let your kids go. And one of the things we learned in our parent, um, parenting pod group that we went through, we uh, studied with Chip Ingram, and um, he said, you've got to see your kids like a kite that um, you just have to let a little bit of the string out at the time. But you've got to know when. That's the hard part. You've got to know when to let the string out and when to hold the string back. And um, that's always one. Sometimes you have to reel the kite in a little bit. Too, sometimes you've got to reel the kite in, but sometimes you've got to remember at some point you're going to have to let the kite out and your kids are going to have to make the decision for themselves. All right. Um, Mike, uh, I'll let you start this next one off. You know, I hear people saying all the time, uh, and, and I agree with this, um, that um, you have to be a parent first before being a friend to your children. I think one of the great errors that so many parents make, especially when the kids get to be your age, is they want to be their, now I want to be your friend, your buddy. Mm-hmm. And uh, you've got to, you know, kind of be a friend. W- what does that mean, and, and how does that relationship change as your kids grow up? Well, you're right. I'm right in the throes of that now because my kids are, you know, they're growing up. Leah's 12. She's going to be a teenager um, in December 12th. And, um, you know, I've made mistakes in that area. I've tried to be a friend where I should have been a parent, you know. My kids will say, Dad, not your little girl anymore, you know. Just little things you say that you used to be able to say to a, to a, a little girl and you know, she doesn't want to hear that anymore. She needs something different. So there's been some mistakes there. But always um, I have tried to be the parent, you know, laying down the rules. But I have heard that that mom is, is uh, what, did, what did she say the other day, honey? I think she said mom's the easy one. No, mom's the rule setter and dad's a pushover. Oh. <laughs> so um, that's hard to hear, you know, so sometimes maybe, maybe I am a little easier than, than mom in that area, but, um, you know, that's something that I'm learning. But they do need, first of all, for you to be their parent, you know, to, to lay down the rules and to stick by them and to be consistent. I'm learning that consistency is important, especially with discipline. Okay. So. All right. Jack, you want to add anything to that? Your kids are grown now. Your relationship with them has changed somewhat over the years? Dramatically. Um, yes, you've got to establish authority to begin with. And for any social stability, whether it's family, a town, or a country, you've got to honor those who are in authority. Um, if you can be friends with your kids during the teen years, God bless you. Um, you know, and if they are, wallow in it and rejoice in it and be thankful for it. Um, but... <clears throat> tell you what I love my kids now and they're my friends yeah all right um, you guys and I know somewhat something of all of you and what you do you're all very busy um, in your careers and have been over the years um, uh, how did you find Don how did you find um, the balance um, so that you didn't because I mean you're working to support a family of six children um, by the time it's all over with, how did you, how did you find the, make sure that you had the balance so that you did not become an absentee dad so they did not think dad exists to go to work? How, how did you find that balance? I got them all jobs. 
It, it was a uh, challenge because uh, I am a, a crane service technician, and I used to go to work, and sometimes we would be sent out on a job. I might not get home that night, maybe two days, and then come back. So uh, I found it challenging, but I realized what my responsibility was to the family. And I always kept, in my mind, the family concerns at the top of the list, okay? And I would usually uh, check in with Agnes and get feedback from her. What was important going on at the time that I may have missed? Maybe some thing coming up with one of the children and she would remind me, hey, you know, on Wednesday this is happening or that. So I think it is important that, uh, that you pay attention to your family and their, their needs. But between Agnes and I, I think we've kept that in check okay. by just remembering. All right. Anybody want to add to that at all? Yeah, I, w I was kind of guilty of that because I work six days a week forever, half a day on Wednesday and Saturday, and tried to be off when I could. I, you know, I never understood the concept of the word eternity until I went to a dance recital. I mean, <laughs> but we got through that piano recitals. I was able to go to some of those, but... I tell you what, sometimes I would use the excuse that, oh, yes, I'm providing for my family and I'm working hard and, that, and that's why I'm not there as much as I should be. I'd have been doing that anyway, even if I didn't have a family. So that's not an excuse. So guys, if you're young, you've got families, spend time, do what you can. You know, that extra buck is not worth it. Okay. Go ahead, Mike. Qu quickly, um, Don and I share a common bond in that we have years for travel uh, back and forth to Hampton Roads every day to go to work. So for years as the kids were growing up, I, I took their birthdays off. I would just ask my dad, my dad, <laughs> my boss is not my dad. <laughs> my friend Dave, who is my, um, my project manager that I work for, I'd say, hey, I need this day off. So I ended up getting three days off a year, at least for their birthdays. And, you know, I, I work with a couple of guys that really... Um, they have a hard time when this subject comes up about being there for their families and watching their kids grow up. They'll basically tell me, I wasn't there, and I regret it. So I don't want that to be me. So I've always tried to make the choice. If it comes to working on Saturday, making the money, sometimes I have to, but usually I'm, I'm home. So. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm, not gonna, I'm just going to let a volunteer tackle this next one if somebody would like to. But... Um, uh, None of us are perfect. We said that up front. Would anybody like to share an experience in your fathering uh, where, you, where you failed, where you just dropped the ball? Anybody? Jack, you would? Okay. When I saw this question, I thought for a second and came up with 32 things that I've done wrong. Um, it's funny that the preacher used the scripture about don't exasperate your children. Uh, my first daughter, youngest, I mean my oldest daughter, wasn't good at math, and I thought she should be. And I was an absolute moron. My wife just said, amen. Did you hear it over there? <laughs> she, said, she said, I was an absolute moron when it came to trying to teach her math. It's something that I've regretted all my life. I have since actually apologized to her and she has some wonderful God-given qualities that I wish I had. So despite the fact that I've failed in many ways, I'm a blessed man. Mm -hmm. 
Anybody else want to tackle that one? Uh, yeah, I will. Um, I guess my biggest problem over the years has been my tongue. Not the muscle, but what I say. So the words of my mouth sometimes have not been uh, edifying to my family from time to time. And so um, I've tried to work on that. Uh, I, I remember um, a scripture in Luke 6.45. Jesus said that out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so for me to keep my heart close to the Lord is, is really the most important thing I can do for, for my relationship with him and, and also with my family. And so that the words that I speak to them are, are edifying and up, uplifting. So, Jack, Jack's brought out something, and, and um, maybe one of you can address this, but you said, Jack, that you actually went back to her and apologized. And, and I, I think that's, that's really a, a huge part of when we fail, dads, is that we have the, the manhood enough within us um, to go and say, I'm sorry for what I did, right? Don, were you going to tackle this? Yeah. Well, I was, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I think that's very important. I think because if you are presenting Christ as a Christian dad or a Christian mom, what's expected of you is to be like Christ. And I think sometimes failures are, are seen by our children when they see the way we live and then by the way we talk. Not the words we say, but what we do in our everyday life, how we live it. And I think that's important. And I, I guess mine, and I, I will tell you as a church member, I take offense at failure. I never fail. <laughs> I'm like you, you're saying, I never fail. I heard you say it. But, but I don't think I fail in, in the sense of that, except that there may be a better way, as they shared, that I could have presented it. And, and I trust the Lord that as I'm given guidance that it may not be the right way to say it or not, but his word will never come back void. And the lesson they learn, I hope, would be one that Christ would want them to learn, maybe not the way I shared it. But I think it's important that we, we show who we are and we live it. Right. Tom, let me jump to another question, unless you want to deal with that one. I'll just say the same thing that, um, that Mike was talking about, the, the words that we say um, from time to time. I've probably had to apologize to all four of my daughters because of insensitive things <laughs> I might have said or um, things that might have hurt their feelings. Uh, sometimes even you weren't aware of it, Sandra would have to tell, come to me and tell me, um, hey, you know, you probably shouldn't have said that. You might want to go apologize for that. <laughs> so, and I'd just like to say to Jack that I've probably been to about 20 or 30 dance recitals, so. And I, enjoy, I enjoyed every minute of it, Jack. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I shouldn't lie up here, right? <laughs> um, move to, uh, to another quick couple quick questions because we're, we're starting to run out of time here, but I want to um, deal with this in this gathering. We might deal with some other questions uh, at 11, but uh, if you could sit down with a group of dads today, and you, and you really are right now, just sit down with a group of dads today, especially younger fathers that are right now, their kids are young in the home and they're not where you are at the, at where you are in your fatherhood. But if you could sit down with them, what would be the single most important piece of advice you could share with them about being a godly dad? 
What did you tell him, Tom? Um, one of the things I see today, I think, and, and I don't know, I, I'm seeing it because I'm alive. It may have been, always been true, but I see a lot of dads that are just really self-centered um, in my work in an area that I work in. And just hearing things that people talk about, you know, how guys talk about um, their families or their dads or, or like Mike said, the things they want, the toys they want to have and the, and the truck they want to buy or whatever it might be. It's just it, it seems like um, a lot of guys are just um, so self-centered that it's all about me, you know, <clears throat> especially younger dads. And I probably struggled with the same thing when I was younger, um, a younger dad, and just wanting all the things that, as a kid growing up, you know, when I get old, I'm going to get this, you know. Uh, we were talking about it with Sandra the other day that um, I can remember growing up, you know, when I was, we first got married, I said, as soon as we get enough money, I'm going to buy a motorcycle, you know. And I said, I never got that motorcycle. But it's because I didn't have the money. But anyway, not because I didn't want it. But anyway, that's what I see a lot of guys um, um, that aren't Christians just saying that, you know, it's all about me. You know, I want, I want all this stuff or I want all this, um, these activities or, you know, I don't want to have to sit through the recital, you know. I would never tell any of my guys, you know, any friends of mine that, that you know, I dread going to a recital because, um, you know, as boring as it may be sometimes, I want to go there and see my kids dance or, or whatever it might be. And so, I, you know, I see a lot of that. And so I would say to them that, um, you know, the advice I would give them, going back to the, the first verse we talked about, is that um, Christ didn't see it, that it was all about him. He gave his life away for us. And uh, we should be that example. Okay. Real quickly, Mike, what's one thing that you would share? I would say just keep your relationship with the Lord uh, the highest priority in your life. Because everything that flows from you, everything you say, everything you do is going to depend on how close you are with the Lord. And to me, you know, being plugged into a church at all times and and serving in a ministry um, has helped with that. Helped my own accountability and, uh, you know, friendship among other Christian guys it just really has been helpful to me. So that's the advice I would give. Jack? Um, you know, in Paul's letters, when he was talking to his church family, he would always say, I'm continually praying. I'm always praying. I'm in prayer for you. Don't forget that. Pray without seizing. And I know that when my mom prayed, she tried to pray without seizuring because I gave her fits all the time. <laughs> but, but seriously, don't forget that. It's powerful. It's what you need to do. It's got me through. As we read in the Proverbs, it says, train up a child and when he is old, he will not depart from it. And I, I get back to the parent as a father being truthful. Let your life be what you say it is, and what you say, let your life reflect it. And I think that's important as a Christian dad, that if I am guiding my children and I'm trying to give them example, when I'm in church, I'm the same person I am on Monday morning when I wake up. Because I think many times as parents, it's okay to be a Christian here, and we can show you how to be a Christian, and then on Monday to Wednesday, well, we're... We've got our own thing to do, and I think it's important that we be truthful to our children by the life that we choose. That consistency is a major thing, isn't yes. it? One last question uh, in, in one or two sentences. Yeah. Don, you got the mic. We'll let you. Um, how, how would you like to be remembered by I your could, kids, by your grandkids? I, and I will say I, I finally got to a dance recital just weeks ago as a grandparent. 
My, my children were all in the baseball, soccer, so I never got to dance, but Gwyneth, I was able to see her first dance recital. As a dad, I, I trust that uh, I showed love and honor to them as the Lord showed to me. And I just trust that I was a witness that Christ wanted me to be to my children. I can't disagree with that, and I, I want them to remember me as a Christian man. I hope they think I was reasonably fun when we were together, and I want them to know that I love them. I'd like to be remembered as a man who, who loved God first, uh, worked hard to point people toward Jesus Christ, and also loved his family and gave himself uh, up for them. I had to say the same thing that um, these guys said, and can't say it any better than what they've already said, but also someone, and, and I know all, all these guys too, is someone who loved to serve God in, the, in his church, because I think that's an important part of it too. Okay. Let me ask you to bow your heads with me for just a moment. I wish we could have gone on for another uh, half hour with these guys, and in the next gathering we'll do and probably hear some different things from some different topics from them. But while your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, for, for a lot of people, fatherhood is a painful day. Um, some of you could honestly say, I wish one of those guys had been my dad. Because you look back on your father and your experience wasn't a good one. Maybe he was absent. Maybe you never knew him. Uh, maybe he was abusive. Um, Maybe he just never got involved in your life. Uh, so, and I, I want us to, to, I want to pray for you. I also want to pray for those of you who are dads right now, uh, especially you young guys um, who have children in the home uh, because um, you have a tough, tough job. Uh, but you don't have a job that you can't do. God would not have given you children if he did not think that you, could, that you had the potential, let's put it that way, to rear them in, a, in an honorable, godly fashion. And that's your calling, is to be that kind of father. Um, so we're going to pray. Uh, then uh, we're going to sing again um, and kind of work toward wrapping this up. Father, um, whatever is the need in our hearts right this moment, uh, whether it's to forgive our dads for the wrongs that they did uh, in our lives, uh, whether it's as a dad to take the things that we've heard today and put them into practice and, uh, or, or maybe as a mom to encourage uh, the dad in our home, uh, to be that man of God, to pray for him, whether it's his children, Lord, to learn how to honor and respect, uh, even though we might, might not agree with dad. I pray that this, these words from these fellas will meet the needs in our hearts today, encourage us, strengthen us, that we might be like Jesus. In his name I pray, amen. 
This has been a presentation of Nags Head Church, reaching people to discover life in Christ. Visit us on the internet at nagsheadchurch.org.